Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Like the guy just said, welcome into the Players Club. I'm Chad Brown. He's Orlando Franklin. Did you do uh, two a days? Was that part of your NFL experience? Um, no, not the practices. Like it's kind of what they're doing right now. The, the, the practices, the, like two, two and then, days, and then the walkthrough then, after. Then the walkthrough. You never days. had two padded practices or two full speed practices in one day as an NFL player. Not as an NFL player. Okay, as a college player, yes. Not as an. Okay, NFL well, at least player. you did it in college. Yeah. My point is, you're going to be the Iron Man today. Two shows, back-to-back, by the way. All week, dog, all week. So three hours with Matt. Uh, You just finished up. Now you got two hours with me. No uh, Nate Jackson today. Nate is out. Yesterday I did the six-hour gauntlet. Mm. Two hours at the Players Club and four hours with D-Mac. So even as former players, we still get two a days in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, we do. Uh, we, what can we say, Chad? We're grinders, man. You know, we know how to work. We right. got that work ethic. You know, some of these guys want to say three hours is all they could do. I know some guys that refuse to do the drive because it's four hours, baby. Not us. No. Yeah, man. No. You know, put me in, coach. Let's do it. When I say the lessons of football follow you your entire life, I'm not joking. So whether you played high school ball, college ball, lucky enough to play professional like O and I, uh, the lessons of hard work, showing up, getting it done, they, they, they go everywhere. And then uh, also for you and I, we got to get our uh, our voice stamina going. Both you and I calling a lot of college football this year. And uh, I'm not sure if you are mentally ready for this, but there will be, you know, a triple or a quadruple overtime game on your schedule this year at some point. You know, thanks, Chad, for making me think about that because I have not yet. <laughs> I, I forgot all about that, right? I mean, in college, it, typically that, that that happens. It happens a lot each and every year, right? Um, have not yet thought about that, but you know, I'm I'm just worried about the names, right? The short term memory. You got to learn 170 names, and then after come Sunday, you got to eject those 170 flush names, them, flush and, them, baby, and start learning a new 170. So uh, that's what I was most uh, worried about. And now you're going to have me having nightmares thinking about, you know, what game is it going to be that I'm going to be in a double overtime, or you know, we're going to have three overtimes, or maybe even four. You know, but I know at some point I'm going to end up in that situation. You, let me ask you this. Yes. Has there ever been a year where just smooth sailing, just fourth quarters for you? You've been doing this for a while. No, no. You, there's, it's college football, so it's just inevitable. I did a uh, Red River showdown, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, that went to quad overtimes. I think it ended up being uh, 62 to 59 or something like that. So, yeah, I was, you know, I missed my scheduled flight. I missed the scheduled flight after that. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how many overtimes. That's how long that game went. Yeah. So, uh, yes, just be prepared for such things because college football is bananas. Um, you also had your what? Your son's first day of school yesterday, right? Yeah, I had a half day yesterday, um, but it was the first day of school. And today, uh, first day of the full day. So super excited to you know, sit down and have a conversation with him about that today when I pick him up. But uh yesterday, you know, kind of 
bum rushed my wife and she was supposed to pick him up at noon. We got done with the players club, had our weekly meeting with uh, our, you know, with Raj here. But we finished that right around 1140. So I jumped in the car and went and uh, kind of slid right in front of my wife and picked up my <laughs> our son. And she was uh, a little bit pissed off because she wanted to talk about the first day of right, school and right. have him in the back seat of the car. But as soon as Zade sees Daddy pull up, he wants to go in Daddy's truck. He doesn't want to go in Mommy's car. Mm-hmm. It, it's Daddy's truck. So I was able to go and have lunch with him yesterday and just talk about his first day. And he, he had a blast. So it was great. Right on. Broncos, uh, first day of joint practices coming up with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, been looking forward to this one for a while. Uh, although this training camp process this year has been interesting because it seemed last year that with the reduction in preseason games, joint practices were going to be a staple and a thing in the NFL. And now this year we saw the Eagles-Colts brawl yesterday, which mm-hmm. ended practice. We've seen some coaches have one joint practice, and the second one's been canceled. Uh, we've seen teams just kind of dismiss the whole process. So it's, it's this evolution of the joint practice. What do you think we get out there today from the Rams and the Broncos? I think both of these teams are kind of in a world of what are we going to be as a football team? Mm -hmm. I think both of them understand that they're probably not going to be competing for a Super Bowl this year, but they would be happy for a playoff berth. Um, Not a deep playoff run, but a playoff berth. I think Sean McVay and and Sean Payton, you sign them up for that right now. You tell them, hey, you're going to be playing in wild card weekend. Both those guys will say, good, we're good with that this year with where both organizations are. So with that being said, I think they go out there and they, they do get some work in because they're not going to play their starters. Um, you, we watched how Sean Payton handled Russell Wilson a week ago where the starters were set to play 20 to 24 snaps. Russ got 12 and he was out of there. And then it was Jared Stidham. So I think Sean Payton is going to kind of look at that last week. And although there might be some starters that play a little bit in this game, it's not going to be a lot of work. So these next two days, really important for both these head coaches, in my opinion. All right. Uh, I'm not sure if you are a betting man or not, but if you had to put some money down, do they get one practice or do they get two practices? Again, we've seen so many of these joint practice sessions. The fighting gets too far. A brawl comes out and then the coaches decide, you know, let's just practice on our own so we can actually get some work done. What do you think if you had to put some money down one practice or two practices between these teams here in Denver? I'm going to say two. Okay. You know, Sean Payton is talking about, you know, um, how Sean has been with fighting and, you know, he's asked questions about fighting in training camp uh, yesterday. And I, I think that both of these head coaches are probably going to threaten the heck out of the, both teams, you know, contra- detrimental to the team if you get into a fight out there. And it's going to be all about the work in between the lines. So ultimately, I, I, I think that they also get two in, Chad, because of the, where we're at with the season. This is the last time that you could really get to ramp it up. We know that the Broncos are going to make some drastic cuts after this last preseason game. But then it's we all that we got. Mm-hmm. We can't afford injuries. So you know it. You played a decade and a half in this league. I played seven years. Once that 53-man roster is made, that tempo and practice drastically shifts because mm-hmm. now you need every single one of these guys that are out there on this practice field each and every week moving forward, and you're trying to win as many games as possible throughout the season. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure. I, I'm not confident either way how this is, is going to go. Aaron Donald has been he's going to stay home. His wife is pregnant, but he also was swinging helmets around last year. 
in a deadly weapon fashion. So I'm sure that's probably got a, a bit to do with Sean McVay's decision to leave this guy at home. Also, he's <laughs> the best defensive player in the league. So not much for him to gain out there other than getting nicked up and possibly suspended for pulling the helmets off of guys and swinging them uh, like they're a medieval you know sword of some sort. So Aaron Donald not participating. Uh, but the, the Rams are returning some quality players. Cooper Cup coming back to practice this week. So I'm wondering how much he's going to participate. It'd be great to be able to get uh, PS2 some looks at one of the best and craftiest route runners in the NFL. Uh, I think it's going to be a very unique situation with Cooper Cup. And you tell me, you know, would you, if you're Sean McVay, would you take Cooper Cup going out there and doing one-on-ones and just like, hey, maybe you do one-on-ones and seven-on-seven today? Maybe we try to get you in for some drills tomorrow, some eleven on eleven work. Like you can't just throw him to the fire, right? If you're Sean McVay, you're not looking at Cooper Cup and saying, "Okay, you got to go against." You know, you're full going. You're going to practice the whole entire practice today or tomorrow. Yeah, you got to pick your spots when you got a guy like that who's such an integral piece to what you do. But Cooper Cup is more than just a receiver outside the numbers. He'll line up in the slot, and he's down there blocking linebackers mm-hmm. and walling off defensive ends. He's one of the best blocking receivers in the game. So, you know, if you're Sean McVay, you want to get this guy some work in a little bit of everything. So, uh, do you really want to do that, though? I, I, I think, but Sean McVay and maybe his coaching staff are having that kind of discussion right now, literally, right now. This right. guy needs work, but what do we, do we sprinkle him in a couple of drills or do we say, you know, get four one-on-one reps against their best guy. Let's get some seven-on-seven reps where there's not going to be any real padded possibilities. And then maybe we get you one or two in some team drills, get you cracking down on the linebacker once or twice, and then get you out of there. That's what I'm saying, Chad. If you were you, you, you played so long in this league, you, you're playing against the Rams, you know what Cooper Cup means to this football team. How would you handle it if Cooper Cup tried to now come down and wall you off in the run game? I'm running right I'm through try- his face. Exactly. I'm running right I'm through his face. I'm trying to blow him up. I'm like, the heck with the play. I'm trying to literally pick this guy up, walk him back five yards and dump him. Like, that's the, my thought process in a situation like that, especially in joint practices, you know. So I I would think that Sean McVay might be thinking about that. Yeah. You know, with Cooper Cup getting ready to practice maybe today. All right. We, we are off and running here on the Players Club. When Owen and I come back, uh, Eagles, Colts, what uh, can we learn from the brawl that went down yesterday? How does it play how does it uh, play for the Broncos? We'll talk about all that next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. See you, John Simmer, with the appropriate. Rejoin music. This is the Players Club. Chad Brown, Orlando Franklin. Nate is off for the day. A little slam by Onyx right there. Travis Kelsey, Zaire Alexander, Colts linebacker, Eagles center. Uh, started a brawl yesterday at the joint practices for the Eagles Colts. And we got some some sound from uh, Zaire talking about the cheap shot from Jason Kelsey. I mean, look, man, we was out there competing. Obviously, wanted to, you know, go against a great offense all week. Um, just trying to get better. I mean, to be honest, I practice tempo as I practice tempo. You know, that kind of happens when you join practice against other organizations. You know, sometimes your speed ain't they speed. People get offended. That's life. So, we'll be okay. We got some good work in. We compete on Thursday. Never give us a coming, I guess, obviously. Yeah, you know, uh, 
It's funny, you know, obviously growing up in Philly, watched him play for a long time, a lot of respect for him. Talked to him a little bit after we played him last year. You know, thought the OGs would at least look me in the eye before, you know, but it's all good. I'm going to get a chance to look him in the eye on Thursday, so we're going to be okay. All right, so not only we're going to be okay, we practice at a higher tempo. That's why they got mad. But I'm getting revenge during the game on Thursday. Mm. So not only a no no back down from the fight and the brawl, the fact that it into practice. But yeah, I'm gonna turn it up on Thursday. What you got? Yeah, right. I mean, if you're if you're our Jason Kelsey, you've been playing a long time in this league, mm-hmm. a little bit undersized as well, playing that center position. Unfortunately, a lot of times you just gotta go run straight at the middle linebacker and hit him as hard as possible. So I could see where a guy like Jason Kelsey is a little bit upset and of the situation. And come on, young fella, like, hey, you know, the game's on Thursday. You know, we, right, we don't gotta right. be doing all this. I've been in those practices, Chad. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you that I'm not burdened on anything. I'm out here trying to embarrass you. I'm out here trying to demoralize you in these joint practices. So I love uh, Zaire Franklin. His comments, um, is that my cousin? It might be twice removed on my mama's side. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> shout out to that other Franklin out there. But I love the mentality and the attitude. And young fella, go out there on Thursday if you do get the opportunity and cut the lights on and play through the whistle. Like, that. that's what this game of football is all about. Now, I don't think that Jason Kelsey is going to be out there, and he knows it as well. That, hey, probably not going to be out there for this game. But at the same time, I do like what Zaire said. I, I don't think that any, he's out of bounds or out of line with any of his comments. All right, so we we heard from Zaire, so he's coming at it from one standpoint. Now Jason Kelsey's going to, you know, he's going to come at it from a different standpoint, uh, and we got some sound from him coming up. We try and keep things civil on the field, and I think for me, um, I pride myself on, on being a guy that sustains the, the emotion and the level of play out there, and I let my emotions get the better of me. That certainly doesn't belong out there on the field, and, uh, you know, just... You know, a little bit of shame that it got to that level and um, that that I did what I did. So uh, certainly, you know, not happy about that. And you know, I think very highly of the guys that were out there in particular, 44 Zaire. I think, you know, he's a tremendous player. I think all of their guys up front and they brought a lot of intensity to the day, which made the practice intense. And, you know, I think uh, I didn't handle things properly there at the end. All right. Now, so we got some accountability. Even a little bit of an apology from Jason Kelsey, but I wanted to play the two sound bites because does that contrast the two different places where these organizations are? Not just the two players. We got a young player in Zaire Franklin, and we got an older player. I'm sorry, in, in, in Jason Kelsey. Yeah, I don't think it really constitutes where the organizations are. I but think the, more, they were, the Eagles were in the Super Bowl last year. The Colts were at the bottom of the league. I, I think it constitutes like the, the age gap between the two guys. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, you got Jason. Jason's like yeah. training camp. Got to get through this thing. Right. You know, I got to get through the season. Jason's never really been a guy that's moving guys backwards. Even back in the day when that Eagles had that massive offensive line, the smallest guy on that offensive line every year is Jason Kelsey in the middle of that thing. So I I think when you look at just Indianapolis, that is an intense team. That front seven is one of the better front sevens in the league. Always has been. And Philly is the same exact way, but those guys – a little bit more different, a little bit more seasoned. So for me, I think it's more of a, you see the age difference and how guys, certain guys approach camp. You know, like I know it, Chad, some of those vets come in and it's all about brother-in-law and, and it's, 
come on, rookie, like, slow up. Like, we're in practice right now. There, there are some of these guys that just kind of go out there each and every day and, you know, they're trying to just take care of themselves throughout training camp and not trying to really ramp it up with the intensity until the season starts. And I think that that's what we're seeing right here. I I know you pushed back on the, the, the organizational thoughts, but I, I think they're, even from my side of the table here, it's, there's something to that. If you're the Eagles, you literally just want to keep yourself safe so you can have a deep playoff run. You're a mm-hmm. good team. You've got all the pieces in place. Yeah. You're expected to be, you know, in that same position again this year. Where the Colts organizationally have a chip on their shoulder. The Colts have to be over aggressive just to show that they belong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the two players, the age gap that you pointed out, where they are in their careers, you know, Jason Kelsey's like, this is probably my last year, most likely. Maybe, maybe I'll squeeze in one more. And you know, let me just survive this thing versus Zaire, who's, Young, full of extra energy. Because we know those fights, they will drain your energy. Mm-hmm. Every practice fight I've ever had, the rest of practice didn't go well because I was exhausted. I'm trying to get kicked out. If I'm fighting in practice, I'm going overboard because I want them to kick me out because I'm not going to have anything left in the tank to, right. to finish practice. Uh, but I, I could see that. But at the same time, you know, where I would give you a little bit of pushback, Chad, is that the Eagles, you were in a Super Bowl, right? right? So... Although you didn't win the Super Bowl, you got a bullseye on your back because mm-hmm. teams are going to match up against you, right? So no matter what, as soon as you got the schedule and knew that you were practicing against Indianapolis, that front seven is trying to test their might. We talk about it with the Nuggets as well this year when they come out. Every team is going to see how they match up against, you know, the, the reigning uh, the NBA Finals the team, right? And last year... With the abs as well. That happens every single year. Whether you win the Super Bowl or you don't win it, it's still as the approach and how you match it up. I've always told everybody about opening night uh, 2013 when Baltimore had beat us in double overtime. They went on and won the Super Bowl. As soon as they told us that they got to come here and play here, oh, man, we we were salivating in the mount. We, we were the last preseason game. And sorry to our teammates because we weren't trying to disrespect them. But the starters, we were upstairs watching film on Baltimore while they were getting ready to play against Arizona. Mm-hmm. We were getting a jump on this thing. So that's there's a part of sports that, you know, you have that competitive nature, that you have that chip on your shoulder. And I could see where you're saying organizationally as well. But at the same time, if you're the Eagles, you know that you got a bullseye because you've been a good football team for a long time. Right. Well, I, I, but I, I think that in some ways it speaks to my point, not the – not the difference in tempo or practice, but just the way that Jason Kelsey was willing to take accountability and be like, you know, I've got to be better kind of thing. Mm-hmm. A more mature organization, an organization that knows where they're at as far as their, their ranking, whereas the Colts are, again, they're that little kid, the little brother. Little brother's got to be overly aggressive. Little brother's got to take some cheap shots most of the time to show you that he belongs before you show a little bro some respect. Mm-hmm. I know you were the little brother in the situation, yeah. so you're smiling because you remember some of those cheap shots you took on your big bro. Absolutely. And then when it was my time to shine and I was taking over, I let him know that, hey, I'm no longer little brother anymore. So I could see that as well. For me, it all just comes down to, you know, when you when you sit there and you match up. This indie team, that front seven specifically, they, they know that on quarterback, we might have the rookie going out there this year, right? Yep. So if you're going to have a shot this year, if you want to be happy at all, you know, after Sundays and coach not chewing you out every single game, 
it's going to be a lot on that front seven, a lot on that defensive plate. Like things are not going to go that great. There's going to be a lot of uh, sudden changes or the defense was us out there for 12 plays and all of a sudden they sit down for three. Offense goes three and out. You back out there again. Right. So I think this defense is just trying to callous herself up against a team that runs the ball really well and throws it really well as well in that Philadelphia Eagles offense. Yeah. Now we heard the comments from uh, Zaire Franklin. He's going to have a little something extra for the preseason game on Thursday. Uh, chances are, as you point out, Jason Kelsey probably won't even be out there. So, uh, but he's going to bring that chippiness to the field. So again, I think it's another reason why the league and the coaches are going to reexamine these joint practices because if you have a great competitive practice one day, chances are there's going to be fights the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we saw with the Eagles Colts, they got it done. They got to start fighting on day one. So, uh, how this all plays out, what the future of these joint practices are, uh, will the league begin to mandate some fines or some suspensions or punishments for guys who can't keep them ha- their hands to themselves during this process? I guess we'll have to see how that all plays out. When Owen and I come back, uh, we got our guy. Mike Kliss, I'm sure he's already stationed over there getting ready for the scrimmage today. Can't wait to talk to Mike. He's next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Welcome back into the Players Club. I was uh, incorrect earlier, O. Nate does not have the day off. He will be on the drive, so he's over there at practice today. But he's also over there where Mike Kliss is, our 9 News Bronco Insider, uh, presented on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Welcome in, Mike. How you doing, my friend? Uh, doing well. You know, just uh, got to uh, interview Archie Manning earlier today at the Boy Scout Breakfast. Hope to uh, interview Randy Gratishar if there's good good news today. Uh, I'm anticipating that with the, with the Hall of Fame nomination that uh, he's an odds-on favorite for, and and then you got the Rams here for joint practice. So uh, the hits keep on coming here with the uh, with football here in Denver. Uh, so I, I got a two questions for you here, Mike. I, I saw your tweet about uh, Archie Manning and his comments on Coach Payton. I want to see what Archie had to say there. We certainly value Archie's opinion. And then number two, with the uh, way the joint practices have been going this year across NFL training camps, yesterday the Eagles and Colts had to cancel their practice after a brawl. I wanted to see what you thought about these two teams getting together and how the two Shans, McVay and Peyton, can keep the uh, cooler heads to prevail on their football teams. Yeah, uh, first of all, Archie said Sean is, uh, you know, he knows Sean well. Because Archie and Olivia, uh, you know, the, uh, the the parents of the royal quarterback family in the NFL, they live in New Orleans. And Sean Payton was down there for 16 years, coach 15. And, uh, you know, Archie's, uh, Archie's a fan of uh, Sean Payton as a football coach and as a guy. Uh, said he's a tough guy and a tough coach. Uh, very demanding. And... Um, you know, I think we've seen that already. Um, as much as they can be in pads, they're in pads. Um, as much as they can be at team headquarters and, and every hour that they can uh, be at the facility, they're they're here. So, um, I, I you know, I think it's the Parcells, Belichick kind of tree, kind of way. And um, so 
So Archie, Archie thinks it's going to be better days ahead with Sean Payton as the coach. That's number one. And, um, Number two, as far as the joint practices, you know, I, I wasn't, I mean, I've seen, usually it's the day two, the second day that uh, tempers flare uh, between the two teams. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it'll happen again tomorrow. Uh, I don't, I don't think there'll be uh, any skirmishes today. I'd be a little, little surprised by that. Although the Rams sure did put it to the Broncos on Christmas day last year. And um, my guess is that Sean Payton will try to uh, uh, plant those uh, look what these guys did to you seeds uh, in them before these joint practices. So we'll see how it goes. Aaron Donald's not here. He was one of the guys uh, flailing his helmet around last year at a, at a joint practice. So, you know, I, I think, I think with, uh, it, what's interesting about this joint practice is it's later. You know, it's at the end of preseason uh, and the training camp, whereas most of them before are in the first week or second week. And I don't know if that'll change things or not with, uh, you know, the 53-man rosters are going to be set here in uh, four or five days. And so I, I would think these guys are going to do everything they, they can to impress the coaches. And I'm not sure scrapping is the best way to, you know, fighting is the best way to do it. Maybe it is if you're, you know, if you feel like you're 85 to 90 on the roster, maybe maybe you can't lose anything by starting a fight. Mm. Uh, so uh, we'll see how the uh, the roster setting uh, affects these guys' attitudes. Mike, um, the Rams won the Super Bowl two years ago. Um, Matthew Stafford a lot more healthier last year. The kind of wheels fell, fell off of that football team. Coming in here for the next two days, what are you? What matchups are you looking at the most, and just what are you more most intrigued to to see the Broncos go up against the Rams? Like, which units are you looking to see? Offensive line versus their defensive line? Is it you know our linebackers versus their running backs, and why? No, I, I uh, I'll let you guys uh, look it up front. Although that tends to. Uh, that tends to show itself, flash itself, but I'm going to be looking to see how Russell Wilson plays mm. against the Rams' number one defense. You know, uh, Sean Payton said that his starters probably wouldn't play um, if they do one series. So really, this is the this is the test for Russell Wilson and the Broncos' offense. Uh, you know, to date, it's been uh, mixed reviews uh, in, in the preseason. Um, average at best, I would say. Um, for for the first stringers, there's some encouraging things that are going on, but uh, they still got a long way to go to gel together and see how they do against the uh, the Rams defense this time. That's what I'm that's what I'm most intrigued by. You know, as far as the Stafford and, and Cooper Cup, uh, you know, that's for the secondary. But but the Broncos seem to be you know Sertan's ready to go. Um, Justin Simmons is not. He he was back at practice yesterday, but he didn't participate in the 11-on-11 team. So the Broncos aren't quite at full strength uh, in the back end of their of their secondary. So I, I'm going to see what Russ and uh, Russ and the offense can do because that's where the team needs the most help. That's where the team has failed the most in the last six or seven years. You know, you, you want to see improvement from the quarterback and the offense. 
Mike, uh, you, you spoke about the playtime uh, possibilities for the Broncos starters in this third preseason game. Uh, on the other side of that, if those guys are going to be resting, there's an opportunity for somebody on the second or third team to maybe to solidify their spot on the roster. If you had to list a couple of guys who you think have the best chance to affect their potential uh, inclusion on the Broncos roster, who would you say that would be? Yeah, I, I mean... You know, McLaughlin, uh, uh, you know, is, is still, you know, him and him and Tyler Beatty, I think, and, and Tony Jones are still kind of fighting it out with McLaughlin. You would think has the has the spot because they need his uh, they need his flash, his quickness, his speed. They don't they don't have an abundance of that on offense. He's a he's a real weapon, and even though he may not be a guy you want uh, picking up the blitz in pass protection. And by the way, eventually, once he's in the game, there's going to be blitzes, and so he'll have to get better at that and do a good job of that to, to you know, to to stick. But um, you also have, you know, the offensive line. Uh, you might have nine spots; six are solidified. The five starters plus Cam uh, Fleming, and after that, um, you know, I like uh, the undrafted rookie Palcheski at uh, at a tackle spot. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, battles, you know, on the interior, Fuller, um, uh, Wattenberg. You have, uh, uh, you know, going uh, Quinn Bailey going for those extra offensive line spots. I think Garcia uh, still has to do a little bit more, show consistency uh, to make the 53. Safety is going to be interesting because P.J. Locke is down, um, you know, where he stands. Um uh, you know, um, as far as making the team, uh, if he's they didn't they didn't put him on IR, so they think he's going to come back, which is which is good news. And um, and then uh, the other thing is, it's still the kicker against the field. You know, kicker against the field. So uh, Meyer is uh, still has to make all his kicks in preseason. I would think on Saturday. Mike, yesterday the Broncos got reinforcements. A lot of guys came back from being injured, um, back to practice. But when you look at these names that just came back to practice, is there anybody that you would hold out from these joint practices that, in just in your opinion, should not do it just out of fear of re-aggravating an injury or the fact that practice might be ramped up a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, McGlinchey uh, came back yesterday and was participating in 11-on-11. I'd still be careful there. Uh, that you know, as a sprained knee, it's only two weeks from today that he that he suffered that injury. Um, Justin Simmons didn't participate in eleven on eleven, so I really don't think he'll participate in the joint practices. Uh, Man hurts. Uh, not quite sure where he's at. All these guys that just came back this week, it's good that they're back. They can do the individual drills. But uh, I'd probably hold most of them out. Maybe maybe you play Brandon Johnson who had a sprained ankle. But other than that, uh, hold most of those guys out that came back uh, yesterday. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. Enjoy the uh, joint practice today. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, thanks Mike. Mike. That uh, was Mike Kliss, our 9 News Bronco Insider, brought to us on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Uh, when Owen and I come back, we got the morning mixtape. That's next. The Players Club welcomes you into the morning mixtape with a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Orlando, Chad, and Nate. 
The morning mixtape, Orlando and Chad Brown. Nate Jackson will be on the drive a little bit later. Uh, we always talk about, you and I, oh, something that you and I harp on. Your improvement is never by yourself. Colorado Buffaloes will certainly be better this year with Coach Prime and all the influx of talent they brought in. But USC, now officially kind of one of the blue bloods of college football, that Lincoln Riley's been over there. Got Caleb Williams, won the Heisman Trophy last year. They are not standing still. Looks like they got themselves another uh, great quarterback as a replacement for Caleb Williams once you go. Got to uh, salute the page, dog. Yeah, my no bad. Sound. <laughs> my bad. All right, so, uh, you know, your improvement's never in a vacuum. Uh, do you see, see you uh, being able to finish in the upper half of the Pac-12, even though the Pac-12 is going to be gone after this season, the upper half of the Pac-12 this year? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that, you know, CU has got all the talent in the world up there. You know, the question is a lot the same as what we look at the Broncos, the depth, right? We're going to learn about some of these guys that are behind the starters as the season goes on because it's just the natural physical nature of football. But I think that that coaching staff with these young, talented players understanding that the whole world is watching that CU will have a chip on their shoulder. They start off week one with a team that lost the national championship, right? Here in a, what's that, a, about a eight, nine days or 10, 11, maybe. Um, but I think after that, what we're going to see is a team that settles down, settles in and starts winning some football games. So yes, absolutely. What do you do? What do you think, Jess? I think it's an uphill climb. I think the Pac-12 is talented. I know the Pac-12 is ending as a conference, but there's some talented teams there, some really talented quarterbacks in this conference. Uh, the media poll came out for the Pac-12 for all the Pac-12 writers and they got CU second to last, only ahead of Stafford. So 11th. Mm. In the Pac-12. The upper half of the Pac-12 probably means you won at least six games. You're going to be in a bowl game. That feels maybe just a step too far. Four wins, five wins for this football team. I'm, I'm willing to say that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Six maybe feels like a bit too much. All right. Uh, this coming weekend, and an unusual move, Robert Sala is going to play Aaron Rodgers in preseason game number three. Robert Sully, who uh, I coached with when I was out there in 49ers doing my uh, my internship, and you certainly f- f- are familiar with Robert Sully and his style, he says he don't coach scared, man. You can't coach scared. You can't play scared. You know, you can you can slip out of your car and have something happen to you. But, uh, you know, we'll be, knock on wood, everyone will be fine. You know, you see some of the great ones out there. You know, Kansas City's playing their guys. Buffalo's playing their guys. It's It's not uncommon. Uh, put on your Robert Sala hat. Put on, you know, he's got, I think he's got like seven kids. Mm-hmm. He drives like one of those uh, vans with all the rows of seats in it. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen his wife show up to, to, to practice with like seven strollers. It's it's amazing. He can be a football coach and have all those kids. But put your Robert Sala hat on. How comfortable are you with uh, playing Aaron Rodgers in preseason game number three? with the Because we know about the desperation of guys who are on the field in the last preseason game, trying yeah. to make a name for themselves. And, you know, really and truly, it's preseason game number four for them. They played in um, the uh, Hall of Fame game this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they, the Jets have four preseason games. I, I'm not comfortable with this because of what you're talking about, that desperation. There will be some people on the field with Aaron Rodgers that uh, probably are not going to play football anymore. I don't know. Who are they playing this week? 
Uh, can we get that, Johnny? Can we see who the Jets are playing this week? And have they said that they're playing their starters or not? But um, obviously you want to get a look at Aaron Rodgers, and he did get dinged up a little bit. They played the Giants, so share the stadium, right? Right. Home um, for both. <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers did get dinged up a little bit. I think he was dealing with like a lower body thing at one point this offseason. So not comfortable, but at the same time, I do get what Robert Sala is talking about. That this game of football, as we know it, because we played in this game, you go out there and every time you put a helmet on, you risk it. It doesn't matter if it's in a game or, or practice. We've seen a lot of people with the Broncos over the last couple of years have season-ending injuries because of practice. Interested in seeing what Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett have together for the first time? Uh, not really. I, I, I know that, that I know that that's a match made in heaven. I know that those guys love each other. I love they, Nathaniel Hackett, and they really care about each other. I'm sure that the chemistry is going to be there, and I'm I'm sure that it's to a point, Chad, where Aaron Rodgers could look over there and send a signal in, and Nathaniel Hackett will stop talking in his ear. And then just let Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers and call the offense itself in, in situations. So there's chemistry there. Those guys have been around each other for a couple of years, and they're going to pick up right where they left off, in, in my opinion. I know Hard Knocks has been a disappointing watch because they've kind of sanitized it and you know uh, not allowed so much inside access where there was no longer compelling television. But I still think the Jets... Aaron Rodgers, Nathaniel Hackett, Robert Sala. It's still going to be a very compelling team, a very interesting story to track this season. So I'm interested to see how Nathaniel Hackett bounces back with a Hall of Fame quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. I'm like so happy. <laughs> All right, uh, Pete Carroll was on with Richard Sherman on uh, Colin Coward's podcast network, The Volume. Uh, so Richard Sherman was the host, and Pete Carroll talked about the decision to throw the ball in that Super Bowl many years back. Yeah, you guys are so mad at me and so pissed. Hurt. Hurt. I wish I could feel it the way I should feel it, but you know, that, you play, keep that play just happened. Yeah. It wasn't like by design. It wasn't, there was no agenda. That play just happened. You guys couldn't hear it for years, but when we got down there, if you remember, we had one timeout. Mm. And so as soon as we got there, I said, one of these plays, we're going to have to throw it to get all four plays. Cause I'm always in, make sure that we have a chance to get all four shots. Right. So. We run the first play, and I think what happened is Bill's late. He sends in the goal line team, mm-hmm. and we had already sent in 11. Right. That went through the, the play callers, mm-hmm. and that's what led them to throw it on that down. Right. It had nothing to do with anything else. Right. We practiced it a million times. It was just the way we had prepared. So I was rock solid on, on the philosophy of it. Mm-hmm. It just was the worst play that could ever happen. So much to unpack. Oh, that's a lot to unpack there. I, I, I hear Pete Carroll, and I understand the coaching thought of you know, when they put this personnel on the field, then we do this. And then when we have put this person on the field, then, then then they do that. I understand how that's supposed to work. You, you get your, 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 your play sheet and you pull it out. And when they're in a certain defense, you call certain plays. That's mm-hmm. how you work on that in, for the Super Bowl for two weeks to build, build that game plan. But at some point, you got to decide, we got beast mode. He just ran the play before and ran over a couple of people. Let's just punch this thing in and end this thing. Mm-hmm. Run the ball. And you look at, you know, Bill Belichick, he's thinking of that in long that lines, right? Yeah. They have beast mode. They're going to go run the ball. So he trots out goal line, right? He trots out goal line personnel, bigger bodies. Let's go stop the run. You know, for me, I even go back before that. And I have a problem with like the philosophy of like, we're going to, you know, get as many plays as possible down here. What? 
How about we just use all the time and get the best possible play? Boom. How about we do that before anything? So you're talking about this philosophy and get as many possible plays, and we're going to throw it one time. Just let's get one. Let's get one. If we got to trot out goal line, we still have Marshawn Lynch. His nickname is Beast Mode. Run let's, the ball. Let's, yeah, let's run the ball. Let's just keep on running the ball. I would have sat there and said, we're going to run it three times in a row, the same exact play. And offensive line, go win a Super Bowl. Beast Mode, go win this Super Bowl for us. But it, and then the added layer, Chad, for me is if they trot out goal line, why is Russell going? Why are we running routes in the middle of the field? Why are we not trying to attack the sidelines in a situation like that when they do have goal line personnel? So I think there are multiple things that were wrong with this thing. And a lot of times all we've heard up until this soundbite was it was on Russell Wilson. and He wanted to throw the ball. But I'm glad that Pete Carroll's finding clarifying things because he messed that up. He messed that up with the thought process as all these different players. And then he messed it up with, hey, we're going to throw the ball in the middle of the field. The route should have been to the outside. That anger that he was talking about, because he was talking to Richard Sherman there, and Richard Sherman was agreeing with him, all those defensive guys, that was still simmering when I did the internship the next training camp with the 49ers. Those defensive guys were still upset. They were still talking about it. Pete Carroll, not one time, did not address that during the entire training camp process. It never came up. He was trying his best to put that to bed. Those defensive guys were still carrying a grudge. But does Pete have issues with, oh my goodness, you're bringing up so much stuff now. So does Pete have issues from the get-go with Russell Wilson back then? Because he should have put that to bed. All these different guys. I've played with Brandon Meebane with us with the Chargers. And he's telling me, like, these guys were upset at Russ, thinking that it was Russ. Mm Mm-hmm. Shouldn't Pete have, have, did Pete show us his true colors and the fact that he doesn't really love Russell Wilson by not addressing this in training camp years ago right after they lost the Super Bowl? Yeah, because the rumor was, you know, Pete wanted to put the ball in Russ's hands so Russ could be the MVP. They didn't want Marshawn Lynch to get it because he wasn't talking to the media and all this other craziness. In the end, it was a football decision, which I had discussed with those coaches when I got there, and I knew Pete was going to talk about that when, when the time was right, as he did here with Richard Sherman, but... Yeah, to allow your quarterback to get the blame in that situation, which separated that locker room in ways that they've never been able to recover from. Uh, it's, you know, Pete Carroll's definitely one of the greatest to ever do this at USC and now in Seattle. But in this situation, the play call, in my opinion, was poorly handled. And then the aftermath was poorly handled. Wow. So does Russ deserve a little bit more credit for how he handled the situation? Because he never once went out there and said, well, you do know that Pete Carroll's philosophy is that he's trying to get as many plays as possible down there. You do know that he was okay with me throwing the ball down there. He's never really revealed any of these things. And I know a lot of people in that locker room, when that pressure, you know, they they say pressure makes diamonds, right? Or pressure bursts pipes. I know a lot of people that the pipes have burst. Right. Where they just said, stop pointing the finger at me. Let me point the finger at somebody else. And I've never heard Russ do that. That's That's a fantastic point. It's a fantastic point. 